you sick and tired of the financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal Fitness and Freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion-dollar mortgage company. So here's your host, Scott Smith. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. I'm Laura Lewis, and I'm here with Scott Smith. How are you, Scott? Good, good. Doing well today. Great. I have been thinking about something a lot with all of this buzz about AI. I know in the past we've discussed that technology is anti-inflationary. And throughout history, there's been multiple changes that have lowered inflation and things like that. And I think now that we're living in such a high inflationary period, it also coincides with the highest technological advances we've ever had. I mean, we're living through seeing all of this new AI come up and it's just so exciting and so incredible. And it's almost like sci-fi to me. And so I'm wondering how you think that's going to affect inflation or if it has already affected inflation, it doesn't seem like it. And maybe just, I know you have a lot of great stuff on how it has in the past in the book. And I don't, I want to just kind of discuss all of those. Yeah, that's, that's a, a fair subject, especially today. Very timely. In inflation, again, when I was looking through all of these numbers on where payments have been moving, Bank for International Settlements puts a lot of good information out on inflation rates in the various countries. And it's, it's interesting to note that inflation rates in a lot of the other countries have been much higher than in the U.S. I saw 18% figures in a number of countries. And what we have to realize is, so you start tracking back those, that inflation, where did it come from? You know, because inflation kind of accumulates on you. You know, mm-hmm. there's a supply chain and one thing's gone up in price then something else, you know, that impacts other things fuel or energy costs are the obvious ones and that your transportation costs are going to go up if fuel costs go up your manufacturing costs will go up too as well as a lot of the product costs because a lot of products are actually made out of derivatives of oil and Mm -hmm. so a lot of the finger pointing on inflation goes to the war between russia and ukraine it has significant impacts on fuel cost and also fertilizer costs, because guess what? Fertilizers are often made out of those different fuel oh, supplies. Yeah. So, and then that impacts transportation cost. And then Ukraine produces or did produce a lot of the wheat. And so food cost went up across the board in large measure because of that war. And then we impose embargoes. You know, we have different sanctions out there. Those are costly to the supply chain. And the disruption to the supply chain actually precedes the war. It goes back to COVID when you have tens of millions of people not able to work. Of course, that's going to impact the supply right. chain. It's going to impact supply and demand. And Then prior to that, we were beginning the sanctions on China. So the low cost manufacturing in China 
has been one of the main vectors that keep consumer price goods down. And so when you begin to get into trade wars with a nation like China, it's inflationary. So you have the inflation of a trade war, you have the inflation of reshoring, you know, bringing the manufacturing back into an environment where the costs are higher. You have the inflation of pandemic, the break of the supply chain. You have the inflation that comes from the Ukrainian-Russian war. And then you have one more layer in there on inflation. And that has been the development of, you know, just the creation of all the cryptocurrencies out there. So mm -hmm. that's just brand new money that is being dumped into the economy. And then you have derivatives that come out of all those currencies. Those are financial assets. There's forward swaps, all sorts of things that are built upon them as if they're commodities. And that's inflationary because it's just a lot more money out there. Inflation also has a tendency to peak as it begins to grow. It starts to build on itself in the sense that there's a flight to quality. So it's not an obvious link. Flight to quality, you see that in the monetary economy when people are trading all these different financial assets out there. Mm -hmm. And there's the certainly a broad awareness that if you were to take all the financial assets out there and try to cash them in and turn them into material goods and services, land, houses and all that, you, you can't. It's like a game of musical chairs. OK, and so sitting in a chair when the music stops means you just traded IBM stock for Bitcoin and then you're going to trade it for U.S. Treasuries. But at some point in time, a certain percentage of the investors are like, I think I'm going to move it into real assets, which would be houses, land, things like that. Right. So real estate value spiked in large measure because of this flight to quality. There were other impacts, people moving out of the cities into other areas. There were several factors in there. But when you have wealthy people overseas buying houses with cash, when you have PE funds buying houses with cash, you know, demand is very high and it drives the, the price up. Right. So that now. All those things come together. So will AI save us from inflation? Not really. Not in the short term. I think that before we when we broke down the chapter by chapter, you were giving the illustration of the farmer, the villager or I'm sorry, the farmer, the handyman and the hunter. Mm -hmm. And how different technologies allowed them to do their job essentially better and faster and how that became anti-inflationary. And there's different examples on how that has happened throughout history. And now I think we're just in such a complicated space financially in the markets and all of that. So I'm just curious why the same isn't applying now. We're seeing the most it's, technology ever. Ultimately it is. And, and here's, if we did not, if we did not have the technologies of the last 10 years or even the last 20 years, our inflation rates would be double digit. And in other words, our ability to have skated through the pandemic with as many people not working as we did only happened because of automation and technology. The ability to China of China to deliver all those goods and services at the prices they do was not just cheap labor, but it was the latest technology in their, in their factories. And the AI makes a lot of jobs 
a lot more efficient. And so that's anti-inflationary. It's just early in the implementation of AI. Gotcha. But then part, part of what kind of defeats the anti-inflationary if effect of technology is when it replaces jobs. And so less people are doing Interesting. It. See? And so, and likewise, perhaps even more impactful is when people switch jobs from the material economy to the monetary economy because of automation. So often those people were running companies and, and then they are able to sell the company and then they just become traders. And so they're now in the business of earning an income in the monetary economy and not not by virtue of producing goods and services. And so that's inflationary. And then technology in the monetary economy sometimes is inflationary because when you have advanced trading techniques that earn people larger profits and they're not making goods and services, mm -hmm. they go and buy goods and services and that increases demand and that's inflationary. So technology in the monetary economy often just fuels the problem of people, large percentage or a percentage of our population earning its income and not actually producing goods and services. That's inflationary. Interesting. So yeah. It becomes very unbalanced at that point. Yeah. And technology is sort of like a braid. It's weaves around in a lot of different areas to the extent it makes us more efficient at producing goods and services, it's anti-inflationary. To the extent that it absolves certain people from having to work, it's inflationary. And to the extent that it augments somebody's ability to earn an income in the monetary economy, I would argue it's inflationary. Interesting. Got it. So AI, is AI is going to going to play a big role both in the monetary economy and the material economy and to the extent that it just fuels trading platforms going nuts that's not actually bringing inflation down yeah i think that's <laughs> we can see that happening right now it's mm -hmm. it's a little out of control very very much it's um one of the reasons payments increased by over a thousand trillion dollars in the last year just unbelievable how fast the monetary economy is growing today do you think that with the lowered birth rates and just overall how society is leaning into, I think before, you know, my, my mom is one of nine, I'm one of four and my daughter will be one of one. So mm -hmm. I, I'm just curious if you think that's going to affect things mm -hmm. just in general on how inflation and, and all of those things are hitting. Yeah, that's, that's often the most misunderstood component out there. I know like Elon Musk is on record of having said, we're not having enough kids. We need to have more kids. Right. He's buying into a narrative of economic growth that occurs through population growth. And also he's, it's the ratio between workers and retired people. And as our population has aged, that ratio between workers and retired people has shifted from, it was at one time like 12 to one, 12 workers to one retired. It's now down to like three to one. Oh, wow. But it will begin to correct a little bit. It's what happens is when that number of children that families are having 
shifts over time, that creates lumps. So the baby boomers were a problem when they were babies because there were so many baby boomers per worker. And now the workers are having to build schools and do all the things like that to support the baby boomers. Then the baby boomers come into the economy and they're all working and efficiency gets really good. And then they retire, becomes a problem again. But the, there's a bigger factor. The world is a finite place. It has finite resources. There's so much wealth in the world on a per capita basis. You know, you can look at, well, how many acres are there per person? You know, how much mm -hmm. gold is there per person? How much water is there per person? And ballooning population reduces per capita wealth. A robust population is necessary in order to do certain endeavors like build jumbo jets and spacecraft and all that. You need lots of people in order to have enough engineers to do things like that. But as technology improves, you need less of them. Mm -hmm. So technology brings about wealth because it makes us more efficient at extracting the wealth and building that wealth. But a population that is steadily declining over time using technology can enable the greatest amount of wealth per capita that's possible at some i mean there's limits to it first of all zpg zero, zero population growth is only in certain countries the world's population is continuing growing that population is not expected to peak until 2050 2060 that's a long time from now Right. A lot more billions of people will be adding in there. And so we don't need to be worried about not enough people right now. Instead, I think technology will combine with slower population growth so that out there around 2100 and 2150, you're going to have much smaller populations that are living much better and having much more abundance because of the technology. So population growth is takes a lot of resources to to be able to meet the needs of that growing population and ultimately stable a stable population declining population actually can make us all wealthier with technology that is and so it would be and would be anti-inflationary you see in in countries like italy japan plenty of countries where they don't have that much immigration so their population is falling housing prices are down. Oh, wow. And on one side of the coin, one might look at it and say, whoa, housing prices are down. Is that bad or good? For the person holding the house, maybe it's disappointing. But for people as a whole, it's better. For housing yeah. to cost less, be less of your income is, is a good thing. And as I've often said, like higher priced housing being something of value to the homeowner is somewhat illusionary. You know, when you go to sell the house, you're going to buy into another house that's more expensive. So you never really get ahead of the game until mm -hmm. you die and you sell your house for your last time and you're, you're not taking it with you. <laughs> so right. like big the long game at that point. You know? And if you say, oh, my heirs get something, well, your heirs are in an environment where housing is more expensive. So increasing housing prices does not actually help out. It does not build real wealth or net wealth. It builds illusion, you know, wealth in dollars that aren't worth as much.
which does right. it pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, AI and technology has without it, we, we wouldn't be able to where we are in a lot of other factors impacting inflation right now. Well, we need something to happen. <laughs> That's all yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, good question. If you guys have more questions on inflation or specific issues, write in. We have we get a lot of questions. You just go to the bottom of that podcast website. You can push the little speaker button and you can also write us. But if you want to just <laughs> talk and make it easy, we keep track of the questions and we integrate them into future content. Thank you, everybody. So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value. Grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to FiscalFitnessAndFreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's blueprint, to discovering your own unique formula to personal success and join us on the next episode.